Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jill. And this is Mel. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. I do enjoy that we dance for a second because mm-hmm. it gives me a nice little break on the edit See, to be able is, to like cut. This is why I want to be able to film it because one, we both make fucking great <laughs> facial expressions. Okay. I think that that alone would give us copy because like this is okay. I know you, I know that you said it, it will be difficult and I get it. I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think we can figure it out like maybe film with a different camera so like so it has its own audio and whatnot and then because I gotta figure it out I'll figure it out (laughs) yeah I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it you find a really easy way to do it I'm on board but until that happens no I'm going to take still pictures and I'm going to like do the boop, boop. I'm going to, I'm going to have Kayla teach me how to use TikTok. I'm going to do Deal. it. Don't put that in. Cause I'm trying not to say the girl's names. So, okay. Yeah. I've tried to edit them out when you have, I appreciate so. it. I try really hard not to, I don't mind Mark so much because we don't have the same last name. It's not like, yeah. Yeah. I think you should just refer to them as their ages, like your nine-year-old and your 14-year-old, or your nine-year-old, your 15-year-old. Okay. That way, like, it shows that you have children, but, like, it doesn't say their name. Well, I did say girls, but, uh, yeah. But, like, it'll be fine. Daughters is fine. Okay. But, like, I agree that I would like to protect their privacy a little bit just because they're underage and try to avoid saying their names. Yeah, yeah. If possible. Anybody over the age of 18 that we reference, I'm fine saying their name as long as they're fine with it. Agreed. All right. How you doing today, Mel? Oh. uh, I'm specit. I'm like, um... Do you want to say that again because we talked over each other? Sure. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little spicy today. Uh, I, I don't have a reason why. I, I just am. Just uh, woke up on the I wrong side of my, bed. A little bit like so. Morning was so it's. John gets up super early and like he works on the weekend, so like I also get up early. So it was a kind of an early rising, and then I tried to do like my morning outside time. Where, like, I drink my coffee and I read my book and I have, like, my little zen moment in my backyard. But I live in the boonies a little bit. And somebody shot, like, two rounds through a BB gun. And my... I have a rescue dog and she is great in a lot of ways. But that is just something that's, like, super, super triggering for her. And so she, like, trembled and panted and, like, was freaking out for, like, an hour and a half. And there's nothing you can do when no. she gets into that state. Like, nothing. No. Literally nothing to do. So, and it just kind of gets exhausting after a while because her, she, all she wants to do is, like, literally stand on top of me. Yeah. And she's not small. Yeah. We, not that, like, I get, I'm not trying to take away from your 
hot, no. hot. What did what did you call it? Uh, I didn't. I, I'm I'm spicy, spicy, and spiciness because because my morning kind of started not how I would have liked. Yeah, we we have a dog who is also a rescue, and like she's extremely sensitive. If you raise your voice at all, like let's say you stub your toe and you yell and you're like shit real loud, she's terrified of you. She thinks that you're mm. gonna like smack the crap out of her she'll cower and everything like we don't do that at all Mm -hmm. and she's always been that way it's weird but anyway we had fourth of july this past week and i looked at my husband i was like you know what we should probably really consider putting her on like something because we had the same problem last night she came bolting in the door for a thunderstorm yeah uh rosie gets rosie is my dog uh she gets CBD during like New Year's and Fourth of July and things like that because I would rather her be high than, <laughs> than deal with it. Honestly, uh, like anything I can do, it it doesn't prevent her from having kind of like the closest thing I could say is like a little doggy anxiety attack, uh, but it does help her calm come back down to normal faster. But it's like the one of those few times that she uh, prefers John over me because she is very much like my dog. Like I was home. I worked from home when we first got her. So like she is like currently laying on top of my feet under my desk because like this, she just has to touch me all the time. So yeah, it is. It's difficult when she freaks out when John is not here because her emotion, the correct emotional support human is not available to her. Can I say something? Just of delay course. the mood a little bit. So I saw, have you ever seen videos of people who give their dogs like the the dog version of catnip, I guess, or like the like strong like CBD treats and shit. No. That is so funny. I, like even the cats. I don't. I love cats. I think I would actually be a cat person, but I'm very allergic. Mm-hmm. That's how I found out I was allergic because I brought a cat home when I was five, and my face blew up. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's hysterical because like you find these cats and they're just like staring like a zombie at the floor. It's just it's so funny. <laughs> I can I'm just imagine this with you. Cats do that anyway. Really? Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I will walk in on like I have two cats. I have an old my older cat's Wyatt and my younger cat is Pico, which is short for Pico de Gato. Don't let me name things. Um and he will just be like laying on the floor on his back. Well, just like chilling. The do- dogs do that. That's then, common for dogs, I think. No, but then he'll like sit somewhere and then just stare in like the corner of a room. And I'm like, there's yeah, but does literally he, nothing there. But does he look drunk when he's doing it? Because that's what these animals look like. They look drunk and or high. Have you seen Pico? He pretty much has a drunken frat boy face. I mean, it's been a, it's been a few years since I've seen Pico. Plus, I just try to stay away from him because I swear to God, cats know that I don't want them to touch me. And then they're like, human, I am coming right for you. It's like a magnet. They, they, they know who does not like them because they do the same thing with uh, John's mom's husband. Uh, <laughs> he does not like cats. 
And the moment they come into our house, Pico, who is my much more social cat, and Wyatt, who is like my more timid cat, like suction cup to him. It is hilarious because I'm like, I can't, you can't discipline a cat. No. And that's the they're thing. just going to do what they're going to do. And it's funny because like I end up like kind of running away from them, like literally trying to physically get away from them because otherwise I'm going to end up like, you know, kind of using my elbow to push them off or my foot. Like, and I don't want to accidentally hurt the animal, but I'm like, motherfucker, I don't want to have to take five Benadryl. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stay away. Yeah. I, when if you ever come visit me here, I will just lock them in a room. Yeah. It's honestly not as bad as it used to be when I was a kid. I could like, I'd walk into a house and I could instantly tell if they had a cat. Um, I've over the last few years, I've had friends who had a few cats and um, it wasn't as bad as long as I didn't touch my face and I washed my hands and took a shower after. <laughs> I <get home>. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably so there's typically two allergies associated with cats, either like the hair or the saliva because cats bathe themselves constantly. So people are allergic, usually allergic to one or the other. It sounds like you might be the hair. If just like walking into a house yeah. is triggering for it's, your allergy. They said it was the dander for me, but like I've yeah, got the, yeah. I get the, the that reaction with dander the great Danes. Like when I get great Dane slobber. Yeah. That's actually a thing. Great Dane yeah. slobber can make people break out. It's weird. Even people who don't really have allergies. I guess you and Great Danes are just never going to be friends. Listen, I would deal with it for a Great Dane. I want a big ass dog. I want a big ass dog. And you have three schmedium dogs. Listen, I still have hopes. Jasper's like only he's only he's a couple months away from a year. So I have hopes that he will be a bigger dog. Have you already had him neutered? Yes. Yeah, he's not going to get any bigger. No, he's gotten a lot bigger since that happened. But, like, he's going to... He's pretty close to capping out. We'll see. Like, two is when they technically stop growing. Yeah, the, not neutering Listen, before stop it. one helps. Stop bursting my bubble and messing <laughs> with my dreams Okay, I just want a, at least a 70 pound dog. Okay, I just want one, like just one. I actively own a 60 pound dog and they are great sometimes. Like somebody randomly ring my doorbell today and we have like this really skinny window next to our front door. And Rosie, I'm so glad that that thing is like put into our house very, very solidly because Rosie slams like almost her entire body weight on that tiny, tiny window. And uh, I visit like I wasn't going to answer the door because I didn't know who they were. Uh, and P.S. I unless I actively know who you are, I'm probably not going to answer my door. Um, they literally jumped like because I was creeping on them on the ring camera. They jumped when she hit the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I went to it. It was like a big thud on, on the other side of the this door. Big yeah. black dog barking her butt off, and she when she barks, she does sound pretty mean. She, well, because she's got a deep bark. I mean, she's a sweetie pie. I know, but she's doesn't have a mean bone in her body. But she looks and sounds terrifying. Mandy. Everybody loves Mandy. She's my mutt. She's like a golden brown and she's 
she's the real terrified one. She's super duper sweet though. And then Ginny is our chocolate brown Australian shepherd and she's hyper as shit. Oh. <laughs> what you get with Australian shepherds. Loves to hunt squirrels. Loves to hunt squirrels. And Jasper is a little shit, but he is my favorite. He is my baby (laughs) boy. Oh my God, I love him so much. I thought you weren't supposed to have favorites. Okay, listen. You can't have favorites with kids, but I'm I'm having favorites with dogs, okay? Like, he's my favorite. (laughs) Mark Mark was the one that picked him, and like, he is my baby. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah oh rosie likes john and i pretty equally and we both really love rose pose but it's interesting that cats kind of have a favorite human so wyatt i have had since he was eight weeks old so like he has always been yeah my cat but pico is obsessed with john really (laughs) just obsessed with him (laughs) That's like funny. so John's computer monitors back up to the wall in his office and Pico will get behind his monitors and then like flop and like stick his head out from underneath them. It is very hilarious when I get those pictures. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, we have jibber jabber. I know about our pets quite a bit. Uh so we are here we're back today to talk about part 2 of <laughs> A Court of Wings and Ruin. Like, we're going to get into some intense stuff. This is kind of a long... Sarah J. Mass does a great job of splitting these into thirds, but they are not very equally split. Mm-hmm. This is a long <laughs> So chunk. this is kind of a long bit, so let's just jump right in. So we left off with Feyre and Lucian having killed the creepy twins and uh, mind-fucked... Good old Ianthe, fuck Ianthe, every single way. I hate her so much. And taking off out of the spring court through like one of the secret tunnels that takes them to the autumn court, aka Lucian's home. I'm excited for this. Because honestly, that's probably one of my favorite times of year. I know that's a really stupid reason, but (laughs) I like that. That's true. Yeah, I Autumn is probably really pretty. Unfortunately, Lucian's dad is kind of a dick. His older yeah. brother would is not great. So yeah, I you know, yes, I like the season, but the people in charge there, not my faves. I definitely thought you were about to tell me why you loved the season, but that made way more sense. Like what you like <laughs> that, that was the route you went instead. I mean, technically my birthday very often lands on the first day of fall. So I feel like it's my obligation to be a fall girly and love my pumpkin spice latte and my Ugg boots. I'm a basic bitch. It's fine. No, listen, I'm a basic bitch as well, but I, here's my hot take and we don't have to go into this. I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. They're gross. I live in Florida. If it was real cold outside, I'd wear my Ugg boots, but I don't, it's too hot. My feet will sweat. So there you go. Yeah. It gets cold here like a week, a year. So I do occasionally get to wear my Ugg boots every once in a while. It would be nice if it like snowed, you know, but anyway, let's go back. I I think, I think you would have to travel for that. But anyways, so they get through this 
tunnel and Lucian takes Feyre to like this little hidey hole, little cave. And she's like, how do you know we'll be safe? He's like, well, this is where I hid when I ran from the from the autumn court. So pretty confident. Not a lot of people know where this is. So we get to see a little bit behind the curtain of Lucian's life before he came to the spring court, which I really appreciated because I think my like one thing about Akamath, even though I really like it, was I missed Lucian. I really like Lucian as a character. I think he's really interesting. And so to like get to have spend some time with him here in Akawar, I really I like I really enjoyed. <laughs> she's just laughing at me because she's do, like, I, I don't like, understand why you're so obsessed with this character. No, I do <laughs> like Lucian. I do. I don't know. I wish he wasn't I don't love things that happen later with Lucian. I'll just leave it that. It's not yeah, bad. Lucian I'm just, has, yeah, it's not bad. I'm just. Yeah. yeah, Lucian doesn't. He gets the short end of the stick a lot of the times. Yeah, I feel bad. Poor guy. Yeah. I know. So they camp there overnight and there's still a little bit of tension between Feyre and Lucian. They do uh, are able to travel through the autumn court with minimal minimal interruption, but we also learn a little bit more about Lucian in general. For example, that his lover who was killed in front of him uh, was named Jasminda, and we learned that she was not of like the ruling class of the autumn court. She was more of like a country girl. And we learn this because Lucian mentions that they have to be kind of sneaky. And she's like, oh, would they really turn in a high Lord's son? He's like, yeah, he doesn't treat his peasants very well. So they absolutely would turn me in and get money. And like, it's just kind of sad to me that Lucian gets treated so badly by his family like yeah it's so sad to me and oh. yeah i have a question uh-huh so at this point in the book i'm pretty sure we're aware that like more absolutely hates lucian's brother right or is that later uh- no, we get that out from like we know that there's we don't know any of the context about it. Okay, that's fine. That's that's all I'm talking about. Just that she hates him. I know we get the context a little bit later, but like we that's all we know at this point. So he's got like a not great reputation from at from the audience perspective. But yeah. I, I just wonder if he's as bad as everybody says he is. I'm not saying he hasn't done bad shit. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But like, it to me, it's almost like a Tamlin type thing. Like he's kind of in certain circumstances, but I don't know. Um. So like, if you want to talk Eris now, we totally can. I definitely think that there's more to the story when it comes with Eris because a I don't think we have all of the details for what happened between him and Moore. Right. I don't think we like we know that. M- that Eris has a lot of ulterior motives and is doing a lot of political planning on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, I think during part of this conversation, we learn that Eris was the one who helped Lucian escape from the autumn court and get to the spring court. Yeah. That's partially like he does do kind of those like redeeming things. It's not a lot, but like when he does it, it, it's a big deal or important. Maybe not a big deal, but 
Yeah, I think it's to note. I don't think we have all of the information. So yeah. I think it's really easy to cast Eris as a villain or a bad guy. And I just, I feel like he is going to be somebody not quite as much as like Reese. But somebody who, as we start to get more and more information about him, our perspective of him is going to be changing pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, they do, as they're traveling through the Autumn Court, they do have a run in, not just with Eris, but two of Lucian's other brothers, and they have to escape. They still don't have their magic. It's taking a really long time for it to come back from yeah. being so heavily dosed with the Fae Bane. Now that gives they, evidence to Eris being a dick. So just to be fair, I'm just I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying it's to me it's a it could be a toss up. So yeah, I, I think that like he's picking and choosing his battles. Yeah, because strategic, they, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think he Eris, I'm assuming is going to fall pretty close into a chaotic neutral. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Um, so Farah and Lucian do make it to the winter court. That is the next court they have to get through to then eventually, if they're going to walk all the way to the night court, what they have to go through. They have to, they're being chased at this point by Eris and two of Lucian's other brothers who are not named. And they end up having to have, like, take shelter in this cave because they're going up this mountain. And if they don't take shelter, they're going to literally freeze to death. Mm -hmm. And Lucian and Feyre finally start to have, like, have it out with each other, but, like, in a good friendship kind of way where, like... They're talking and Lucian is like, can you tell me about her? Meaning mm-hmm. Elaine. And and Feyre, you can tell, just feels for Lucian right now. Yeah. And so she does. They talk about Lucian. And he just, like, he just really genuinely wants to learn more information about his, his mate. Uh, he saw Elaine for, like... 20 minutes and then she got taken to the night court and he went back to spring court and he uh she tells you know he's like i just want to know if she's worth fighting for and i just feel like it's such a genuine take on like the mating bond like he's definitely not interested in forcing it upon her but like if if she's willing he he will fight to be with her yeah, I never got the impression that it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, Feyre does have to tell Lucian at this point that Elaine is engaged to Grayson, who is a human who really, 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 really hates fairies. So it's not great. No. But I, I really appreciated this scene because... I think Feyre has a lot of explaining to do and kind of some apologies to give to Lucian. She did not treat him super, super well in Akamath. And I don't think it was intentional. I don't think she had any like malintent. She was dealing with a lot of her own shit. But he was kind of a casualty uh, of her not being okay. I was going to say he was collateral damage, in my opinion. Mm. Just... He was there. I don't, like you said, she didn't intend to hurt him, but he was just collateral damage. So, yeah. And I think she does a little bit 
owe Lucian an apology for how she treated him because she and Lucian are were really good friends and still are really good friends and it 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 just kind of warms my heart to see them kind of reconnecting a little bit especially now that he's made it to her sister and that is going to just make things so much more complicated so then they they leave the next morning and they're crossing this frozen lake and unfortunately Eris and the other autumn bros catch up to them and the fighting ensues and Feyre's uh, magic has started to come back a little bit like a tiny tiny bit so she's like doing little things trying to test out how much power she really has and she's uh, able to wear because the people from the Autumn Court have like a fire affinity. They have the ability to control fire. Their Eris and the other brothers are trying to melt this frozen lake that they are on. And Feyre is trying to use her powers to refreeze it. <laughs> it's a lot. But we get a very epic entrance from two out of the three Bat Boys and Cassian and Azriel show up. It was so badass. <laughs> they just land and they're like, fucking shit up. Fucking <laughs> shit up. Um, and essentially they're like, stay the fuck away from... She- I think she calls herself High Lady. And this is the first time on page Fair is like... You're really going to fuck with the High Lady of the Night Court? And they're all like, you're what now? Yeah. Yeah, that immediately (laughs) put a stop to things. Yeah. Yes. And so poor Lucian (laughs) has to get winnowed slash flown back to the Night Court. (laughs) Being carried. I think he's being carried by Cassian. It's just a really funny moment. He's just very begrudgingly like, all right, fine. Can this you is just the imagine, faster. Just imagine his face. Just He was not on board. No. <laughs> but they do. They head back to the night court and they go back to the townhouse. And Feyre and Reese are reunited and uh, they kind of all reconvene. The whole inner circle is there. Uh, We learn that Elaine and Nesta are up at the House of Wind, chilling out there, being well taken care of. Um, And they get like Lucian set up with a room at the townhouse. And then Feyre and Reese go and have happy adult fun times for a second. Spicy, spicy time. Spicy, spicy times. But then there's a lot of conversation before they get to go do that about uh, what they need to do with regards to what Highburn has done. So Feyre and Reese are pushing for a meeting between all of the High Lords. Um, and that's the whole point, is that they want to start trying to create alliances between the other courts in order for them to be a united front against... Highburn. Um, then after her little rendezvous <laughs> with Reese, <laughs> she does go up and visit uh, her sisters at the House of Wind, and um, they're not okay. Like, not at all. I mean... 
we talked about this because you were like, oh my God, can you imagine how traumatizing? And I had the exact opposite <laughs> reaction. I was like, why are they upset? I don't understand. Well, okay. To be fair, I could understand why Elaine is upset because she, she had like this life planned and like, I'm not, I'm not saying Nesta didn't, but we don't know what Nesta wanted. Um, so I can't necessarily yeah. speak to that. But I get why Elaine would be real upset. That's that I get. Elaine, yeah, not so Elaine. much. You mean Nesta. That's what I meant. Nesta. Nesta. I'm sorry. Yeah, Elaine is definitely the worst off of the two, but you can see that Nesta is also not okay. But oh, she no. is, in my opinion, putting on a braver face because she's really worried about Elaine. Well, yeah, because and Elaine is basically catatonic. She's not saying anything. Well, and when she does speak, she's like, I was supposed to be married in a few days. And he's going to not know what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Because she, like, in theory, was, like, stolen from the dead of night and no one knows what happened to her. It's just, I feel kind of bad for both of them because, like, they got drug into a giant mess that... They didn't they didn't need to be a part of. So we get this moment between the inner circle and Nesta, and they're trying to see if Nesta would tell her story about being kidnapped and what happened to her when she got put into the cauldron to the other High Lords to win favor for being a part of this alliance. And Nesta is like, fuck no. you. No. And I kind of respect Nesta because she does not owe it to anyone to tell her story as a tool for coercion. Yes. The more mature thing would be to tell her story. So I get what you're saying, but in this instance, like it's a very much greater good circumstance type thing. And I get it, but like she also doesn't have to go into all the fucking details. She can give them the gist without like bearing her soul. I don't think Nesta is ready to confront what happened to her. And that is a bigger reason of why she is saying no than anything else. She is not right now. Her only focus is making sure Elaine is okay. And she cannot see beyond that though. She does agree to help figure out the wall and see if they can fix where it has been torn because they're very, very concerned about the wall coming down and the implications that will have. Um, so she is going to be like sort of training with Amrin, but they, Amrin's like, I want to test her out, see how she's doing. So let's all just go to the court of nightmares and then we'll sneaky, sneaky around and do some stuff around some like magical objects and see what happens. Yeah, weren't they? I don't love this plan. <laughs> weren't they like trying to find something and hope like that it called to Nesta? Like, am I making this up? Uh, that is Silver Flame. Okay. Uh, and 
they're like, that could happen, but it's really about like putting her in a room with a bunch of magical objects and like seeing what happens. Gotcha. Sorry, guys. Because not, no one really understands what Nesta took. Listen, okay, I've read all the books that are currently out at this point. I still don't understand what Nesta took, okay? I mean, oh, we will sidebar that conversation. And I, I will that's explain fair. It. That's fair. I'm just saying, like, it's very confusing, at least to me. Maybe I'm the only one. Uh, it is pretty abstract concept, but like, yeah. Um, so, Feyre then kind of decides she's going to go back to training with Cassian, and also she decides she wants to learn to fly. So because she has those shape-shifting abilities, she can give herself wings. So she's like, I want to learn to fly. I know I can winnow, but I also want to learn to fly. And so Asriel actually volunteers to help teach her to fly because we unfortunately get more trauma for poor Az in this in that he also learned to fly a little later than normal because he was kept in a windowless closet in the dark for most of his childhood. And so he just literally wasn't allowed to learn to fly. He only got to leave his little cupboard once a week and see his mom once a month. So, really you know, sad. he's like, just it like oh. made me like it was like broke my heart as a mom. Oh, I mean, I, like, I you don't just, have to be a mom to empathize. I'm just saying, like, oh, it made me sad. I'm oh, sorry. I just can't believe what poor As had, to, like, was put through. Yeah. And it just makes me want an As book or a book where As has POV so bad because we've never, unless you include the bonus chapters for uh, Silver Flame, we've never gotten As's perspective on page. True. Even with Frost and Starlight. So we really don't know yeah. what's going on with poor Az's head. This is fair. Um, and so I just want to say I added this note because I'm I think I'm hilarious. Um, can anyone have a happy childhood, please? Apparently not. No, no, no one is allowed. So they plan they're planning this trip to the Court of Nightmares, but then Reese and Feyre go to the library that is under the House of Wind. And they are trying to get some information. And we see uh so there's priestesses, but not a la Ianthi, but we learn that the people who work in the library are all people who are survivors of pretty horrific things and races offered it to them as a safe place that they can live there they can work there and no one has to bother them everybody has like so much shit bad this is them like it's a little heavy at the moment in the book, in my opinion. Yeah, Aquawar is a pretty heavy book. Like, a lot of not great things happen. Um, but they also, Feyre and Reese, decide that they are going to go have a little chat with the bone carver and uh, see if he will make a bargain with them to help them fight 
Highburn. And I think this is kind of honestly, this is Feyre's plan. I think it's kind of brilliant to enlist the quote monsters of the world to side with them against Highburn because it's a little bit unexpected. Yeah. I don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just, like, I get, yeah, will it help them defeat Highburn? Absolutely. But then what happens afterwards? Like, that's the problem. You've now unleashed them. Mm-hmm. So you used one problem to eliminate another, and now you've still got the first problem. So I just... So, like, in Ferris' defense, if you make a good bargain, you don't have to worry about the post-war experience because you'll have made a good bargain that forces them back to where they came from. Okay. There's this thing that you said... the. For the part one. Could you repeat that one, please? <laughs> Farah's good in a fight and not much else. Uh-huh. My mantra about Farah. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Okay, like that yeah. it's a that's a tricky thing for anybody, like to to form an ironclad deal that won't fuck you over later. Like you have to mm-hmm. think of every possibility, and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, in gen- this is not knocking Feyre. This is that's just in general a very difficult thing to do. So they do go visit Mr. Bone Carver. Um, I feel like he's just getting elevated here. I thought like in reading Akamath, he might have been a one and done, but no, we're just gonna go say hi to him whenever. Um, so he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you, but you have to go get the mirror of Ouroboros for me." Um, and uh, it's. It's challenging because you can't take it unless you look into it. And everyone who's ever looked into this mirror has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Or died. Because they went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yes, but still. They died. (laughs) So, like, there's some inherent risk with Mr. Mirror of Ouroboros. Yay! So they have a side quest to accomplish. But they don't know where the Mirror of Ouroboros is. I was really We trying. find out very, very quickly. Yeah. So then Feyre and Reese return and then they go to the Court of Nightmares to go see if uh, it might be there. Uh, we do get this great scene because this is the first time Feyre is going into the Night Court as High Lady like going into Hewn City. And so there's only one throne. So Reese has her sit and tells everyone like, bow. Yeah. It's just this show of force that like shouldn't be. And I hate myself a little bit, but it's kind of, it's kind of hot. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind real. Of hot. It's real hot. <laughs> that he's just like, motherfuckers, you will bow to me. You will bow to my high lady. You will respect her. I can't remember. There's a specific line that comes that just springs to mind that he said, and I cannot remember which book it is. So I don't want to say it out loud. Say it out loud. And then editing Melissa can just take it out if it's bad. Or if it's not this book. Okay. I pause to give you a second. Um, the whole like bowing in front of her where he's going to like give her oral. I cannot remember the exact line. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
So, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That is from Akamath. Okay. Uh, so that is when he is dressing her in Illyrian leather. It's when they're going to go train at some point. That's and they this talk book, right? about the f- Or is that last book? No. That's the last book. Okay. That's in Mist and Fury. And they, they're having this conversation that the only... He has these two tattoos on his knees of the, like, sig- signal of the night court. It's the mountain with the three stars. Three mountains with the three stars. And she's like, well, why do you have them on your knees? That's kind of an odd spot and he's like yeah, well you're i gonna will make kneel. me blush don't say it please like i'm already getting uncomfortable like listen i listen to audiobooks but i do buy the kindle versions because sometimes i can't listen to the audiobook like like if my husband's sleeping and i'm reading in bed but um i can't listen to the audiobooks when it comes to this part i get really uncomfortable i have to just read it off the book I, like props to you people who can listen to the graphic versions of some of these audiobooks. Hooey, I don't know I could I don't know if I could handle it. I don't. I'm not I'm so, not approved. So, it just makes me uncomfortable. I'm not approved by any means. Okay, so like put your hands on your face because I'm gonna say it because it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he, she asks him like, "Why do you have them placed there?" And he's like, "Because I will only kneel for my country, like for my court." And then he kneels before her, and he says, "You are my salvation, Vera." Oh, that was so and- not the one I was thinking. But keep going. Which other one is there? I swear there was one where he says something about like, enjoy, like, do, would you like me to kneel in front of you? That's the one that I'm talking about. Do you enjoy me kneeling before you? (laughs) That one. Same conversation. Oh, it's the same. (laughs) Oh, I just jumped. Okay. I jumped ahead of you. I was. Sorry, too. I was too excited. Yeah, it. I I enjoyed it. I thought that that was a wonderful scene to read because they hadn't like done anything yet at that point. Oh, listen, you are totally misunderstanding what I'm saying. I loved that scene. I I did not disenjoy. Like I didn't not enjoy it. I did. It just made me like I don't know why. Like even in like movies, like when a character does something like so fucking embarrassing it's the same feeling like i it's not just those scenes but like they're secondhand embarrassment does that like is that the best way to describe it you might also have secondhand arousal from this conversation oh my god no like that's not what i'm describing i like i'm not saying that that doesn't happen and i know i'm not the only person but i'm just saying it gives me anxiety i don't know why it doesn't bother me. I'm sorry that it bothers you because no, I, now I can't send you some of the crazier <laughs> off the wall uh, free audiobooks I've listened no, to. No, you can still send it to me, but I'll like I will reply like a fucking child. I'll probably giggle. Okay, like I just it'll be something dumb like that. I just I won't be able to take it seriously. <laughs> It's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, anyways, back to being in Hewn City and um, just all of the sexy, fun things that are happening there. Uh, we do learn that Kier, a.k.a. Moore's dad, actually has the Mirror of Ouroboros. And he's like, yeah, uh, if you 
you they ask for it like as essentially like a wedding gift or like a mating gift and he's like yeah if you can take it if you're willing to look into the mirror you can have it yeah Pharaoh's like bet Pharaoh's <laughs> like, <laughs> like mm, annoyed uh, so they do have uh, a meeting with Feyre Moore and Reese and and Kier and Reese makes this deal with Kier that he will help in the war because Kier is not res- like the the troops that are for Hewn City and under the mountain. They are not required to support whatever Reese decides he wants to do. Um, but Kier's bargaining chip is he wants to be able to have access to Valaris. And Reese makes that deal. And then we learned that Eris is also there. So Eris then comes into this little meeting room and he's like, I'm also going to support you, but you, you need to support me when I eventually kill my dad uh, because he's real not on board with his dad. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, Baron sucks. Yeah. Doesn't mean Eris is going to be any better, but... You don't really know. You can't really tell. Yeah. I also get a little confused on, like, why Reese would need to support Eris in becoming High Lord of the Autumn Court, considering the magic just transfers to one of the heirs that is, like, the, the best suited for the job. I guess he's just assuming that it's going to go to Eris. Yeah, Eris is the firstborn, and he, he is like the technically most powerful of them all. So I think Eris assumes that he will get. Yeah, but I think I think Reese, he will be the heir. I think Reese thinks the same thing though. But this I is think that's a fair. I'm going to bring up again that like I'm I'm very wary of deals because like you have to word it just right or it will not work mm-hmm. or it will it will bite you it will bite you. Yeah, and and Reese is very hesitant to go into both of these deals. He really needs the support of the troops from Eris, but he's not super stoked about the whole Volaris situation, and he recognizes that Baron is a problem, but he doesn't really trust Eris either. Mm-hmm. So, Moore, who is also in this conversation, is pissed mm-hmm. that Reese gives like makes these two bargains. Uh, she really hates her dad and she probably has really valid reasons for that. Um, and she doesn't, she thinks that if he comes to Valaris and the people of Hune City come to the Valaris, that they're just going to ruin it. And we also learned that she was at one point engaged to Eris and it ended bad. Moore's version of events is that is it he I can't remember why, but he left her in the woods, essentially, to die. Correct. So we don't get all of the details right now. It kind of gets piecemealed out. But we learn that she was nailed through the abdomen by her father and then dumped into the autumn court. And Eris didn't help her. Yes, correct. Mm Mm-hmm. That is all we know at this point. I'm glad I kept my mouth shut. So Asriel then uh, in part, Asriel and Feyre start training to fly and Asriel tells her this story about, I'm going to try to say these names. I'm going to be really sorry. I'm probably going to be really bad. Nefel 
and Miriam. And they were... I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember back to my Audible and see what they said. It's okay. I'm I'm okay mispronouncing these because this is the only time I'm ever going to say their names. Okay. So they were two women. Uh, they were not Illyrian, but another type of winged fae that I the name of is completely escaping me. This is what Akatar Wiki is for. <laughs> okay, we're gonna back up. So while training with Asriel for flight lessons, Feyre and Asriel ends up telling Feyre this story about Nefel and Miriam. So Nefel and Miriam were seraphims, which is a different type of winged fairy that used to live in Prithian, but they no longer live in Prithian. They helped with the war with Hybern a long, long time ago. And Miriam actually is a part of the whole conversation with Jurian. Because <laughs> she and Jurian... So Miriam was... No. Yes? It's a little confusing, but I... I like, that's why that, that other name, like, threw me off. Because I thought Miriam was with Jurian. And then Jurian got... Went nuts. And Miriam left him for the other guy. And that's who she's with now. Right? Yes, Miriam is the incorrect name, but he talks about both. So it's okay. We're going to back it. All right. We're going to start over. So Azrael and Feyre are training in flight and he tells her about a few people, a few new people. So we learn about Miriam, who actually for a hot second there was with a Jurian. So we don't know a ton about any of these characters beyond what we learned during this story. So Miriam was uh, in love with... (laughs) Miriam was supposed to be with Jurian. She was unique, kind of like Feyre, in that she had a human mother, but a high faith father. And the conception happened against her mother's will. And she was in slavery because, like, quote, half-breeds weren't considered full fae. Um, So she later, like, essentially becomes, like, high, like, queen of where all of the, like, slaves live. It's called the Black Land. And she gets engaged to Dracon. And he's she's given to Dracon as a gift, but it kind of works out because they fall in love. Sorry, I'm reading through this to make sure I get it right. Oh, no. I'm fucking this all up. Okay. Sorry, I was going to say I, I'm a little lost. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to like... Editing Melissa is going to hate me, but I'm just going to read what is here on the wiki and we'll just link to it. Do you want me to like tap it so you know where to cut? No, it's fine. All right. So we're just going to read some of this information from the wiki because it gets really confusing and it's all kind of important information. So Miriam is a high half high fey, half human. Her high fey father forced himself upon her mother, which is not cool. Don't do that. 
And she, as a half human, is like put into slavery with other humans in this place called the Blacklands. Um, And uh, she does eventually escape from the Blacklands and she ends up uh, she works as a healer for Jurian during the war, the big war that we always reference. And as the war continued, Miriam and Jurian actually became lovers and she developed a friendship with the rest of the inner circle and Morgan in particular. So three years after their first meeting, uh, Miriam then meant Prince Dracon. So Dracon is a special kind of fae. <laughs> He's a little bit different. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Dracon for a second. So Dracon is a seraphim. So he has instead of like bat wings, he has like what you would consider like angel wings. Like they're feathered and white. So uh, and he has allied himself with the humans and has they originally she was essentially like gifted to him a long time ago to like for them to get married and she like escaped. That was partially why she ran away. She was like, fuck that shit. I'm out. <laughs> um, but during a battle, he gets injured and Miriam ends up healing him and uh, Dracon and Jurian's armies ally. So that's not so bad, but there's eventually a little bit of a following out between the two of them. And then Jurian begins his relationship with Synth, uh, like Clinthia, who is Amarantha's sister, hence why Amarantha turned him eventually into an eyeball. Whole thing. Um, and at the t- this moment, we think that it was like Miriam jilted him. Yeah. And she just ran off with Dake, uh, Dracon. So she does eventually get captured by Amarantha and is used as a trap. But Reese is actually the one who goes and frees her because they all have this friendship together. And uh, they all march into the Bucklands in order to free the human slaves that are left there. And this is all on Highburn's like piece of land, which is not part of Prithian. Um, and then they run away. But we, as they're trying to run away, we also get this story of her friend, Nafel. So Nafel is a cartographer. She's, she's a, like a map maker as part of the troops under Dracon. And she is not considered to be fit for a warrior because she's pretty, her wings are pretty small and they can't really carry her. And she's got like, she's a little bit like one of her wings is a little malformed. So she, as they're trying to leave, they, uh, they're essentially doing like a Moses moment where they're like separating two sides of a sea and running through. (laughs) Uh, but like Miriam's maybe not going to make it. Like it's it's like bad. So Nafel comes back and actually is able to save Miriam, but like get her out of there. But she ends up getting injured at, during this crossing and she bleeds out and dies. But not Miriam, just to be clear. Yeah, no, Miriam bled out and died 
bled out from the moon and died. But they bring her back with a cauldron. It's sketch sketch. Because she is very much like Feyre. I forgot that. In that she is made. That's right. With a capital M. And so they all like so Nafel sort of proves her warrior spirit and then she gets to be with her own love who is she so Nafel is like the first canon on page lesbian in the in the book because she has a female partner which go her um so she uh she also met her wife the night that all of that insanity was going on. That's when she Nafel saves her own future wife during that sea crossing. Uh, so all of this leads to Azriel telling Farah this story that has become known as the Nefel philosophy, that the smallest wings might be the saving piece to a war. Since the day of the paddle, people hold uh, now hold like an annual flying race to honor Nefel. Um, and the winner is always crowned by Nefel and her wife. That's cool. So we get this backstory essentially to give us this piece of information that it's not about the size of the wings. It's about the contribution of your heart and like being willing to be brave. Sorry, that was a really long sidebar, but it's kind of important. But then we also learned that Miriam, Dracon and the rest of the Seraphim now live on like a secret island that no one can find. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the only Reese knows. We learned yeah. that a little bit later, okay. but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, and so they, she's trying to fly, but Farah's uh, really bad at it. It's not going great. And like, she she's not good at it. But this is the thing. I feel like just because she can grow wings, like her body's not built for it. And I just don't feel like she has, she doesn't have the strength, right? No, like she doesn't have the muscle yeah. memory of like, like she can't even like not dry her wings on the ground. Exactly. And, yeah. But I will say she models her wings after Asriel and it's canon that Asriel has the largest wingspan of all three bat boys. So... <laughs> I see your face. I know what you're implying. I'm pretty sure everybody uh, I, else does too. <laughs> I also feel like she should have maybe, like, I don't know, gave herself reasonably proportionally sized wings, this, but what do I know? Yeah. Um, so they continue these flying lessons. She gets marginally better, but like Asriel tells her, like, the biggest challenge she's gonna have to overcome is the fear of like falling and hitting the ground and this is why most Illyrians learn to fly when they're like super super young because they haven't developed that fear yet it's like I feel like a baby learning to walk like if you don't learn to walk ever and then you're expected to walk like it'd be terrifying during all of this stuff Nesta and Feyre goes to visit Nesta and Elaine and they uh she goes to see um 
them and like Lucian has been told under no certain terms to essentially like leave Elaine alone. <laughs> like don't talk to her. Just no leave touchy. her alone. No touchy. No, no touchy. Um, and so Nesta and Feyre are trying to find some information so they go down to the library and they're talking and they get uh, P.S. Elaine has been saying weird ass shit. It is definitely that TikTok meme of like, I'm going to need you to stop saying weird ass shit. Can can I say something? Are we? We're in the library, right? Yes, Are we're we about there? to go in the library. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. So... Feyre and Nesta are going down into the library and they get ambushed by two ravens from Highburn, like scare, scare people. And so uh, Feyre's solution is to run deeper into the library. That is not the choice I would have made. No. No. <laughs> Let's go deeper into the hole where eventually you're going to hit the fucking end of it. Mind you, the only thing we know about what's at the bottom of this library is that one time Cassian flew down there and it scared the living shit out of him and he never wants to go back. Yeah. Big no thank you. So like all we know about what's down there is it is scary AF because like Cassian ain't no pussy. Like he is tough tough Illyrian general. Incredibly incredibly powerful. Uh, if he is scared out of his mind, he's like noping out of a situation. Like, I'm not, I'm good. I don't need to participate in that. He knows his limitations. He, he does. He does. Uh, so uh, that is her plan. I don't necessarily agree. With it. So she like essentially sends a message off to uh, Reese being like, oh, you need to get your ass over here and help us because something some better shit is going down. Shit has hit the fan. Shit has made hit the fan. So she gets to the, she like yeets Nesta off into this corner at the bottom. <laughs> and she goes into like the center of the bottom of this library and she runs into something we don't shadow monster. Shadow monster. Uh, can, I, can I just say that is my literal worst nightmare. I'm fucking terrified of the dark and you can't really see it and it's just there and it's scary and like, oh my god. I can't handle that. I'm 35 years old and I can't, I, I can't handle the house being completely pitch black. <laughs> so yeah, so Jill's noping out of this. Um, so Feyre, on on the other hand, she's like, "Hey, if you, I'm willing to make a deal with you. Can you kill those two for me?" And he's like, mm, "Yeah, but I would like someone to like talk to me. I've been down here a long time. Can somebody come talk to me?" And she's like, "Bet, <laughs> deal. I'm bored." I've been bored. Come fix that. <laughs> Maybe that's what scared Cassian so much. Is that like Cassian got down there and Shadow Monster, who we literally learned his name, Bright Axis. Uh, it's just real chatty. <laughs> Rosie, can you go find a Rosie toy? Well, I'm not a toy. I guess all the dogs want to play because one of them just hit my door and scared the ever-loving shit out of me. 
Rosie punched me. Did you so. see me jump a mile out of my chair? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Rosie actively punched me, so maybe she is finding a Rosie toy, just which punch, I feel like is a good choice for her. Where are the back. Rosie toys? Can you can you find can you find me a Rosie toy? She's like, I don't know. Um so the culmination of all of this, they all come back and they realize they put it together that Elaine, one of the batshit crazy things Elaine has been saying was something about two ravens. And they realize Elaine is a seer and that is why she has been acting so fucking weird. And the, the cauldron gifted her that ability. Can I-, I really wish we got more info on this? Okay. I saw this coming. Like, as soon as she said something fucking weird, I was like, she's a seer. I don't know. I said soothsayer, but yes. I was like, she is, she's a seer. I don't understand why it took the rest of them that long. They're all, listen, okay, I know what you're going to say. They got a lot of shit going on. I know. I know you're going to tell me that. And you're also going to tell me to, like, suspend reality a bit. It doesn't always work that way. I know. Just... That's one of those things. It's like I hear, I pick it up on my brain. I I would have, I would as, uh, as soon as she started saying weird shit, I was like, I would have poked Reese and been like, okay, normally never would want to do like I as if I was Feyre, normally I would never go into the mind of like anyone I loved because fuck that. There's clearly something incredibly off about Elaine. She should have just like tiptoed her way in there and like poked around a little bit. Yeah. And I think we would instantly know. Like, Instead, they're asking, like, Lucian to, like, talk through the mating bond and then, like, it's like, or, or, you have two fucking Daimati at your fucking fingertips. Maybe use one of them. Like, I realize it's a, it's a, it's an invasion. And I think under normal circumstances, I don't, like, Reese makes it clear he's not, he's not down for it in either his favor. That's fine. But, yeah. like, Again, she is literally catatonic and she's now speaking nonsense. I feel like this is a situation that is calls for extreme circumstances that would yeah. allow the like this as an acceptable reason to, to do that. Correct. And they talk about I don't remember the doctor's name. I hot take dislike the doctor. Um I think the doctor has is going to be bad, but that's my crazy conspiracy theory. I think her name's like Magda. They call her in and Magda's like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck's it's like. She needs to eat some food. But other than that, she's fine. Uh, so like, especially after the doctor evaluation at that point, I'm like, well, we don't have mental health services, so we're going to need to put, uh, put some, some quasi mental health in there. AKA uh, using our day body powers. I feel like they can be used for good sometimes. I agree. I agree. So it's interesting. Um, so we also learn, uh, we kind of piece some things together that one of the mortal queens from Akamath, not the one who got turned super old, but another one, uh, has been sold to an evil lord and is actively being cursed to be turned into a firebird. Perhaps that, like, I think she's she's a firebird by night. Yeah. Um. 
And so they kind of all come together and Lucian volunteers this tribute to go to the continent because that's where all of this is happening at and go f- see if he can figure this out. Yeah. I, so it was yeah. a weird thing to me and maybe this is dumb because I think they say this at the time and if not, it's not a massive detail, but like the guy that she was sold to has let her go do like is not yet okay not yet all right guys i'm really sorry i get very excited and i have a terrible memory it's like a fucking goldfish and so i'm like ooh, ooh, i want to contribute to the conversation and i'm early so i'm very sorry if i fuck y'all up i'm bad i'm sorry you know i'm gonna just take all of that out right so thanks for the apology yeah but i'm gonna just take it out so we don't have because spoilers i'm sorry melissa it's fine. We can say it again. You're, you're apologizing to editing Melissa, and it's fine. So, after Lucian leaves to go to the continent, we get some not great news, a.k.a. the Summer Court is actively under attack from Hybern. So, they debate for all of 2.5 seconds and are like, nope, us and the Illyrians are going. So, the whole inner circle... Uh, goes with the Illyrian warriors to go help the summer, or yeah, to help the summer court. But none of the other courts go to aid them, which I think is kind of fucked up. Like, the fuck autumn, the fuck winter, the fuck spring. Well, we know why spring doesn't go, because they're all fucked up, but... I think it's like a self-preservation thing. They all think that it's hopeless at this point. There, yeah, and so well, we even have we haven't even had the like the conversation amongst all the high lords yet. And this happens before the high lord meeting. Okay, which we're gonna get to. You're gonna take this out again, aren't you? Probably. Editing Melissa, please don't hate me. So more and favor kind of join together and start fighting. They go through the palace to make sure that everybody is okay and let like taking out all the Highburn people. And Resant goes to track down the King of Highburn, but he is on this ship, and we find out that the King of Highburn is essentially just like a projection. So like, yeah. That was not even there. That was a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think that we were going to be able to have a confrontation already with the King of Highburn in a battle sense because it was way too early in the book. I was like, this is too soon for this to be happening. I don't know. I thought it was just going to be like a game of cat and mouse, <laughs> like a little back of board yeah. chess play. Yeah, I, I was like, we're, we're not going to get this big thing. So they, after all of the uh, fighting settles down, um, Feyre is able to have a conversation with Tarquin, and he is uh, still not super thrilled with her for stealing the half of the brook of breathing. And he's like, fuck you, I don't need your help. He's still a little salty, and I don't entirely blame him because she manipulated the fuck out of him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm not. In, yeah, he needs to just get over it at this point, because if it wasn't for Feyre and Resand, like everybody would be dead. Yeah, I, like, I'm not saying you don't like don't be upset. Like, maybe it maybe just put it aside for a little bit. Focus on the thing that's going to destroy everybody, maybe. And, mm-hmm. you know, deal with the other shit later. You got you got bigger yeah. problems right now. 
That's my thought. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. So, like, in an effort to kind of keep the peace, the Illyrians camp up on this hill, and they're tending to the wounded and the hurt and the dying. And uh, Feyre is helping with healing, and she literally like falls asleep on her feet at one point and gets carried into her and Reese's tent. Uh, and she wakes up and she and Reese have this conversation about like the war and all of this stuff. And then this is so cringy. Like, I don't cringe a lot of the times. I was just like, what the actual fuck? Um, but Farah makes an interesting choice to give Reese a blowjob. And... Good old SJM gives us this beautiful line of he roared, which AKA he like orgasmed, uh, die, like drowned out the sounds of the dead and dying. Yeah, I yeah, didn't like I didn't love it. I didn't like that either. I, I, that could have been left out. I, I mean, yeah. Which like PS, if it's doing that, everyone can fucking hear you. Yeah. Everybody knows what the two of you are doing. Which is a little, which is a lot inappropriate in that setting. Like, maybe that's not when you give him a blowjob. Like, can you maybe not on, in the war tent? Can you not? I just feel like, I don't understand. Like, maybe my sex drive is incorrect and like the way that they act is normal. But like, I don't think I would be feeling uh, in the mood for happy adult fun times. I wouldn't either, but this is this is a thing that I see in movies a lot and TV shows where it's like there's this awful thing, usually after somebody's died, honestly. And then the person who's left behind dealing with it and grieving, they then sleep with someone who is entirely inappropriate for them at an entirely inappropriate time. And this like granted Reese isn't inappropriate with for, for Feyre but like mm-hmm. the timing is inappropriate this isn't like this isn't this isn't a great look so it, but it, I see it happen all the time in movies it's like why is this happening now like this is not relevant to the story okay my question is does it happen in real life like ever yeah <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> I don't have experience, but I have heard some fucking stories, and they're oh. they're not secondhand stories. They are it happened to me stories. So, yes, that. Uh, I'm not saying it happens. Okay, it probably like, doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. Ugh, that's unfortunate. Anyway, yeah. so because of the attack on the summer court, the meeting with all of the High Lords does get to move up. And we are now getting into one of my favorite parts of this entire book, which is the meeting of the High Lords. Y'all should have seen this her do that. This shit was so good. I mean, she had her eyes closed. It was like a... <laughs> Like the favorite food dance that people do when you like take a bite of something you love, like you just kind of wiggle in your chair. She's grooving. Yeah, I this was my jam. I just gobbled this right up. 
It was so good. I remember reading this the first time because you hadn't gotten there yet. So I was texting my friend Lily and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she's like, yes, 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 yes. And it was just endlessly entertaining for me and also like hilarious. So it all can take go down at the Dawn Court. They all finally decide Dawn Court's where it's going to happen at. And we finally get to meet like all of the High Lords, because at this point we've only had reference to Baron. We got to have the Lady of the Autumn Court have like literally one line in Akawar or Akatar. Obviously, we know Tamlin, we know Reese, we've met Tarquin. We don't know anybody else at this point. No. But we're going to meet some new people. Um, So the inner circle decides that their approach to this is going to be to come in as a, quote, family. I don't think they were super successful in their attempts here to be put honest and like showing their true selves. I think they kind of like got distracted by a certain someone that we're going to talk endlessly about. Um, But they do leave Amarin at home to kind of like keep running things. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. She's supposed to be like studying the book, right? She's still trying to figure shit out. Yes, yeah, so she so Aaron is still studying the book of breathing, but she's also the second in command for Reese. Yeah. So somebody's gotta stay behind and like make sure it's still running. I get mind it. the P's and Q's. Yeah. So everybody arrives on time except for Barrett and Tamlin, who both have to be extra AF and show up late and in dramatic fashion. But are we surprised? It's like a it's no. a power move thing and they, 100%. it's a dick measuring contest. They don't have wings so they can't be part of the wingspan contest. I get it. Yeah. It's dumb. Um, Tamlin is so fucking spicy about everything and anything that has to do with Feyre. Because Feyre is the only high lady, so she is at the table. Uh, He's real pissed off about that to begin with. And he just is bouncing off the... He is unproductive in this conversation. He continues to derail it with, like, bitching with her. He's like, well, yeah, he's talking to Farah and Risa and he's like, yeah, when you stole her from her, my court and Farah's like, oh, you mean when I left when the sun was shining? Yeah. Motherfucker. Because he's like, you stole her in the middle of the night. And he's like, no, I left you when the sun was in the sky. Like, fuck you. And then he's like, they're trying to have a conversation about like important shit. And he's like, oh, do you know that sound she makes right before she climaxes? Yeah. I thought Reese was going to jump over the table and murder him. Well, he didn't have to because Azrael came in there and was like, you better watch your fucking mouth, my dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, real inappropriate how Tamlin approaches this. He is literally only there to get his digs in on Feyre and Reese, and he is not there to be productive in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Not at all. So collectively, the High Lords, and I do agree with this decision, is problem number one is they need an antidote to the Feybane. Because uh, that is a huge problem if none of them have their magical powers. Can I ask a question yeah. before we move on? Absolutely. How how long has Feybane, is it Bay or Bane? Okay, Bane. Bane. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. B-A-N-E. Okay. 
Um, how long has that been around? No idea. Okay. Recently showing up. Okay. I was thinking my it was a long time. is that it was. I was thinking it was a long time. New. No. Yeah. I, I, my my guess is like maybe like Fabian as a thing has been around, but to be able to have it like salt bay vibes of like sprinkling it on food and like aerosolizing it because we also learned that that is a thing that can happen. Those are all new implementations of Fabian in a much more problematic sense. Yeah. Okay. Totally get that. I guess my problem is, is like, if it's been around a while, y'all should fucking know what the antidote is by now. So they they are pretty close to already having an antidote because we bring in that friend of Lucian's who like hangs out in the Don, like is from the Don Court. And she's like, yeah, I'm Lucian's buddy. Uh, I'm pretty close at getting this. So like, I just need to like do a little bit more testing and then we're, we're, we're real close to having this. Like it's, the antidote portion is not going to be a huge problem. No. We also make the decision to uh, evacuate the spring court because, like, Highburn's pretty much just set up camp there because uh, we learned from from good old Tamlin that Feyre was very successful in her attempts to just <laughs> fuck everything up. And none of his guards and none of his people trust him anymore. And it's all in literal chaos. Everybody walked out on him. Uh-huh. Everybody. There's nobody left. There is essentially no spring court. Yeah. So, like, Feyre doesn't feel bad. And I understand to a certain extent why she doesn't feel bad. But she also does not understand how bad this is. Yeah. And she just, like, doesn't process. She just, like, willfully ignores the fact that, like, she completely fucked the land that directly borders the human lands. Yeah. Yeah, because she's pissed off at Tamlin. Which, like, be pissed off at Tamlin. He deserves it. But, like, also, you did not think in a bigger picture. Maybe don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, she she took a nine millimeter right to both feet on this one. And Reese, I don't think he should have been so supportive of her. I think he should have explained to her why this was a kind of a bad fucking thing. But he's like, no, I don't think you need to regret what you did. It's fine. And I'm like, if her if you guys were mates, you would not be having that conversation. No, like. He would have he would have done, treated her just the same way as he treats Cassian and Azrael and Moore and Amran yeah. when they do fu- something fucking stupid. Yes, I feel like but, some, I feel like he does that yeah. sometimes. He lets her make dumbass decisions because yes, I get he's letting her make her own decisions and that is important to her and she needs that. But I think Reese lets does not give her. It's like he just doesn't give her any input. He just, like, lets her willy-nilly. Because I'm sorry, sir, yeah. you've had, what, a 500 fucking years of practice on her? I said this last episode. Like, yeah. Help. Te- I think teach. he should be teaching yes. her, not, like, forcing her or, like, dictating to her by any means. But... Not, he doesn't even have to dictate. Just be like, hey... Have you considered this? Yeah, like, hey, let's maybe look at this from this perspective. Like, it, there needs to be some dialogue there. There's not a lot of yeah. dialogue. Bingo. Exactly. Moving on. Uh, 
So I agree with all of these things. So during this conversation, um, or like the <laughs> favor figure something out that I think is going to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. So she's looking at Helian and Helian is a character. I love Helian. I think he's really entertaining. She's looking at Helian and then she's looking at the Lady of the Autumn Court and she puts it together that Helian is Lucian's dad. Can I just say, I didn't, this went so far over my head. You had to explain it to me. I don't know how I missed this. Like, looking back on it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I totally missed it. Yeah, so we learn that Helian and... Lady Autumn had a pretty long affair. Yeah. And it ended right around when Lucian was conceived. Helian doesn't have any, doesn't have another partner and he has no other children. So Feyre tells Reese through the bond and, uh, Farah and, and Reese decide to just keep this piece of information to themselves. Because, like, we don't know if Lucian knows. Yeah. Like, I think Lucian probably suspects that something is up if he's got the powers that I have perceived him having. Because I can finally circle to this. And I've been waiting so long to talk about this on the podcast oh, because I this is I my know. big, I know what you're big gonna motherfucking say. theory. Okay. Okay. So Helian's like, so every High Lord has kind of like their specialty. Helian can break through boards and bonds and he can cleave things. So can Lucian. So I, we get a pretty good example of this happening in Akamath when Elaine comes out of the cauldron and Lucian's able to break through his like magical restraints. I very firmly believe that during the Wrath of Amarantha, during the curse, Lucian cleaved the holes in the wall, very specifically, uh, to be able to send people through, to be able to attempt to start the chain of events that would lead to Tamlin eventually breaking the curse. I think it's an excellent theory. I do. Yeah. So uh, everybody goes to bed and uh, during one of the other things that happens is somebody says some shit about more and Asriel goes all like death eyes. Yeah, he's scary. I wouldn't <laughs> want to piss him off at all. No, no. Uh, and this makes more uncomfortable that Asriel shows his affection or his protectiveness of her mm-hmm. in a public way. He, mind you, he. I didn't take it as that being a big of a deal because he literally did something very, very similar for Feyre in like the same breath almost. I, 
agree. I think in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal. But everybody knows it's this weird unspoken elephant in the room that Azriel has this massive thing for more and more isn't having it. And it's just this very awkward, unrequited love situation. And so as not Azriel, more doesn't want any focus on that. And she doesn't want Azriel doing any of those things because she doesn't want it to happen. Now, with that being said, I think Moore is also a total fucking dick when it comes to this. I I think that she plays with him and I don't, I don't like that. If you're going to be that cold, you don't get to go the other direction. That's not fair. Correct. And she's constantly putting Cassian in between them all. So I will also say a really fun moment that happened here is, uh, at one point Reese just takes Tamlin's voice away. That was pretty fun. Um, but they all go back to their like chambers for the night. And even though Helian has propositioned himself to get a four way between him, Cassian, Moore, and Azriel, he's like, like Helian doesn't care. He's a pansexual. He could give a shit. He's like, let say, me at everybody. Helian is down to fuck anybody and everybody. He is a horny little bastard because he makes references to yeah. it all the time. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's he's um, he just wants to have sex all the time. Can you go find me a rosy toy? Go find a rosy toy. No, I'm not a toy. Sorry. Uh, so, she, though he propositions himself to get this four away, which unfortunately he doesn't get, there is some fan art there if you want to go pay the Patreon fee for it, if you want to see someone's artistic depiction of what that could have looked like. Um, I know, I know poor Jill was a little sad that we didn't get a three way or a four way on page, but it's fine. Yeah, um, I was. I, like, I like the way that that interaction went. I thought that's exactly what we were going to get, but obviously we didn't. But I, no, we did not. And uh, but more does take Helian to bed that night. Well, yeah, but more is kind of like assertive. Like it's that. weird. I don't I, like. Yeah. I'm not. I don't like. It's not slut, but it's not like it's not, not a, to like slut shame her. No, no, no. no like, I'm not trying to. I'm saying like. It's she gets what she wants and that's fine. Like she's like cool with yeah. it. Like I'm good. I'm happy. This is what I want to do. And that that like that's what I'm saying. I don't mean it in a bad way. But. Correct. So uh, the next day, Nesta wakes up and just has like a really bad gut feeling. And she's like, "We need to go home." And everybody's like, "You you good?" And then like. A minute later, a ripple of power comes through everywhere, like all of Prithian, and the cauldron has brought down the wall. <sighs> really bad. Really, really bad. So that does, in fact, end pretty much everything in regards to the High Lord meeting at that point, because everybody's like, oh shit, disperse, time to 
get into action, the wall is down. This is real bad. Yeah. It like it, it absolute like nuclear bomb went off. It's in absolute <laughs> chaos now. Yeah. So Feyre and the crew get back to Valaris and Feyre grabs Amran and they go down to the bottom of the library and they're going to go have another conversation with good old Briaxis. And they decide, Feyre decides to offer him the second bargain. She wants to enlist Briaxis along with potentially the Bone Carver Mm -hmm. and other monsters of the land to... Uh, to fight against Tyburn, and his request is that he wants a window. I kept waiting for like some devious reason because I was like, it can't be that simple, but I guess it is. It is that simple, and that is where part two ends. I feel like. To me, like, re- like beginning in Akatar, like, the books have just gotten progressively better. But, like, this book, like, started, like, a little snowball at the top of a mountain. And then, like, we're halfway down and it's already fucking massive. Yeah, the pacing of Akawar is intense. It takes I feel off. like there was just no, like, pausing point. Like, I literally read Akawar and, like... A day, and it is a very long book. Mm-hmm. But like, where do you put it down? All of this shit is constant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just back to back to back to back to back. Stuff is happening. Like, there isn't a slow time. Everything is bad all of the time. This like, is, this is one of those books where you're like, I'll just finish this chapter, and then six hours mm-hmm. later, you're like, Oh shit, it's four o'clock in the morning. And I got to work in three hours. (laughs) Precisely. There's no reprieve from the intensity of how much stuff is going on in this book. Like none whatsoever. I enjoyed it. It is a fun, fun book to read. I definitely will be rereading it a lot. (laughs) I don't do a ton of rereads. Oh, I love a good reread moment. I, I do older rereads. If that makes sense, like Harry Potter, um, the Agatha Christie stuff, Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. Maybe it's cause, just because like I'm super familiar with them or something. Yeah, the kind of like comfort things. I think with SJM specifically, and I'll probably even maybe do this with like Fourth Wing. I so like to me, the first time you read something, you're really there for the plot points mm-hmm. and like understanding the story. The second time around you can really pick up on a lot more of like the foreshadowing and these little details that you, that may play out deeper into that book or into like the existing series or potentially may play into future books. So especially with the whole Massiverse and Crescent City 3 coming out soon, I uh, am probably going to do a speed reread on... Act- I don't know, because like Throne of Glass is really long. So maybe Akatar, maybe not all of Throne of Glass, because that would be a lot. <laughs> Which is the series that has, or is it two different series that like you put together, like the tandem read thing that you were doing? So the, yes, the tandem read is Empire of Storm and Tower of Dawn. And those are two books 
pretty close to the end it of it's like six and seven of Throne of Glass. I, I saw this nifty thing on TikTok where this girl, like instead of ha- like you know picking up one book and reading X number of chapters and then picking up the other book, she did the Kindle version and she did it in order. Like she put yeah. the, she melded it together, stitched it together. That's what I'm trying to call. Yeah, I just did old school and just read both physical books at the same time. Well, I mean, but I don't I don't really do the physical books, so that was like, oh, yeah. that's fucking perfect. So I if you do the I am glad I did the tandem read because I think it would have taken me a lot longer to get through Tower of Dawn. Uh, otherwise because I liked being able to because so the reason why the tandem read is possible is because Tower of Dawn and Empire of Storm take place essentially at the same time but with different sections of characters so you can read them all together and I liked it better because I was I was flopping between all of the characters I was getting to spend time with everyone instead of just like and Empire Storm ends on a gigantic cliffhanger. So I'm aware. <laughs> gigantic. And so to have to wait through an entire other like 700 page book to then get to the answers in Kingdom of Ash, I was not interested in. And also I was a little per- perturbed with the character, one of the main characters of Tower of Dawn. So I was like, I don't fucking want to deal with you by myself without all of the characters I really, really like. So I'm going to ta- I'm going to tandem read. Uh, it really just honestly, the Tower of Dawn Empire Storm tandem read depends on how you feel about a particular character. Gotcha. OK, if you are real, if you're real pissed off at the same character I, I was real pissed off at, uh, then I would suggest the tandem read to help you get through because like a lot of people just entirely skip Tower of Dawn. And I think that is a disservice to some really important information that you learn about one of the big bads of that series. You can't skip a book in a series. I agree with you. You cannot skip a book in a series. People do skip Tower of Dawn. That's wrong. I agree. <laughs> okay, I'll say this. There, like, um, oh man, I can't remember her name now. The Bones series that the show was also based on, um, Shadow and Bone. Yes. No, uh, no, 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 not. So- not Shadow and Bones, the television series Bones with Booth oh, and Brennan. Okay. I cannot remember. Um, Kathy Rikes, that's it. Kathy Rikes. So she has a uh, a Bones series, and there's like a shit ton of books in there. So same characters, you know, they have the FBI agent. His name's Andy in the books. It's not Booth. But anyway, so like the story's... You don't have to have all the intricacies in the background of Brennan and Andy's relationship. You can read those books standalone. You can understand that mm-hmm. there's like some history there. But if you read all of it, you'd have all the information. But in these types of books, you can't do that. Like there's yeah. too much information that you're missing. 
Correct. These are not interconnected no. standalones where you can definitely read them like out of order or only read one and fully understand all all of what's going on. Yeah. No. Not at yeah. all. These are not these are not those books. But people really dislike just I wouldn't say they dislike it's just SJM kind of subverted a lot of expectation unless you've read Wheel of Time and then you're kind of used to this this happening in a fantasy series. Are you telling me I'm getting into another Wheel of Time series, Melissa? No, because no, 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 no. This is SJM may potentially add more books to the overall Throne of Glass universe. The Throne of Glass series is complete. Okay. It is these eight books. Okay. We will have to have more conversations when you complete the Throne of Glass series and get caught up on Crescent City. I really like Crescent City. I also really liked Assassin's Blade. I would have been happy to move on in either direction, but I really like Crescent City so far. I know. I know it's probably going to be a controversial take, but I... So you read Assassin's Blade, and then you picked up uh, House of Earth and Blood, because I thought that you were really going to enjoy that story a lot. And I think you are. Oh, hell yeah. Cause like, I, I, I think I said a voice message. I sound like a broken record saying that get used to it guys. Cause that's what we do. Um, I sent you a voice note saying like, I get that this is in a fantasy realm. I was like, but the, this is like so up my alley. And I was like, this is what's going to happen next. And I was right. Like so many times I would like literally pause right before like a big thing would happen. And I'm like, this is going to happen. And that was right. I loved it. It's great. It's fantastic. Right up my alley. Yeah, especially book like the way that these are they're structured a little bit more like a fantasy mystery, which is kind of fun. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy Throne of Glass when you go back to it, though. Uh, the Selena is a fantastic main character. Oh, 100 um, percent. Assassin's yeah, Blade. She's so- my favorite. Oh, yeah. Assassin's Blade totally sold me on the series. I really <sighs> liked her. And I would have definitely, like, burned through that. I Like, I would burn through Crescent City, honestly. I just have been, we've been so busy lately. You and I were talking about that. You've had the same problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Normally, I would have finished, like, two books in this week. And mm-hmm. I have, I to be fair, I'm listening to a very long audiobook. I'm listening to Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanderson. It's the second book of the Mistborn series. And I have been listening on my commute to and from work every day. I listen like while I clean my house and while I get ready for work. And I have 21 hours left. <laughs> and I started that last month. It is a long audiobook. It's really good. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I have like 
I, something big just happened in that book. And I totally just remembered right now that I, my husband, John is the person who has read these previously to me, recommended them to me. Uh, and I forgot to text him about it. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I, but yes, I don't know. I've like been so, so busy at work with school coming back, like running the, running the kids around doing all the things like, Usually in the morning on the way to work, you and I are on the phone because you leave yeah. earlier than I do. So you get some book I time. Do. I definitely listen on the way home when I'm at the gym. Anytime I'm in the car by myself, my kids and my husband like do not like to listen to audiobooks. Like I, that's all I listen to. Like I, I take that back. I will definitely jam out to some music every once in a while, but like 90% of the time it's books or podcasts so like they just and especially the girls are like please no no books <laughs> no books yeah fair fair i'm i used to make fun of my dad for listening to talk radio and now i binge a ton of yeah uh a ton of podcasts and audiobooks and i'm like that's not that far off of talk radio to be fair though like I feel like talk radio was super cheesy when we like back then, like podcasts are different. Podcast is like the best fucking kind of radio because it, you can find anything on anything that you're interested in. It's great. There's so much out there. I love it. I do too. Hence why we started one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was part two of Akawar. What a crazy, crazy section. And there is just more insanity to come uh, as we finish out uh, this third book in this series. Uh, so if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, uh, we already appreciate you, but we would so appreciate if you would uh, like our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on leave us a comment leave us a review or just share it with your friends uh, it's a great way to get people to know more about our podcast uh, and you can also follow us over on instagram our handle is in the bio in the show notes because it is long um, or you can shoot us an email over at jill and mel geek out if you have a good suggestion on what you think we should geek out about next so again thank you so much for listening my name is melissa i'm jill and this has been mel and jill geek out